I will, we can talk about it. We can talk I, about it. Yeah, and I could just add that in as something if we do, because this is more before we ever did it. It's true. Yeah. Well, should we get into the episode? Let's do it. Let's pick up where we left off last time. Um, let's see. What were we talking about? We were past environmental. So now it's into social. That's right. We're doing social and intrapersonal. Intrapersonal. Per- personal. Oh, good Which word. would be... <laughs> Don't make fun of me. Uh, what were you saying? Which would be a mental and emotional process. Yes. Right? Mental and emotional processes. And the stuff that you have to overcome in those two areas mm-hmm. while you're on the trail. All right. So do you want to read us an excerpt from social? Yeah, I'll do, a, I'll do a quick excerpt on this. Okay. Um, and just know that social, environmental, and physical, they all segue into the intrapersonal realm of things because you're just going to have to deal with stuff internally. And, of course, you'll have people out there that you can verbally process things with. But still, at the end of the day, it's you with your thoughts. Social challenges have to do with the people you meet on and off trail, hike with, or pass by, your significant other or spouse, and those people from your normal life that hold space in your heart and thoughts. Your relationship with these people, whether long, brief, or non-existent, will invade your mind and influence your hike. While I can't speak from first-hand experience to other long-distance trails just yet, People are all over the PCT. You'll see other thru-hikers or section hikers almost daily. Near towns, there will be day or weekend hikers, or even just a group of bros hiking and some beers by the water. You'll get texts from loved ones and wonder what other friends or family are doing if you haven't heard from them in a while. You'll miss your spouse or partner if they're not with you. Or, like us, you may develop a deeper love for them if they dare adventure out with you. So yeah, that was kind of the intro to the social... Um, aspect of things. Yeah. yeah. You like that? Got me excited a that, little bit. That deeper connection yeah. we've built. It's pretty lovely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think this is probably one of the more common things you'll deal with in the middle of your hike and especially depending on your start date. Um, if you start later on, so late March um, or in the heat of summer, you'll probably have to deal with the bubble. So way more hikers than the early start date hikers would have to deal with. <laughs> yeah. The bubble, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, yep. I'm not a big fan of the bubble, but that's my personal opinion. So. Uh-huh. Uh, for the most part, I would say that the other hikers we hiked with, or at least met, and even the day hikers, they're all good people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You. I mean, most people were very just beautiful souls. I, they cared about the environment, they cared about, um, we had very similar like-mindedness, I would say, most hikers, and us, for sure. Yeah, and you'll meet people out there who wanna like throw you a snack or offer you a ride, if they're just doing a day hike and about to head back to the trailhead, if you need a lift in the town, you'll come across all those things, and the people who are hiking the PCT out there with you, I mean, you form a bond with them. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a brothers in arm bond. Um, not to make light of what our, our service members go through, but I mean, you're going through some pretty deadly and treacherous terrains together 
And to go through that and survive that with other people, even if you don't particularly like some of them, you're still connected to them in a way that you wouldn't be in the cotton world. You still bond. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was there a situation where you felt particularly bonded to people? Would you say the Sierras? I think the Sierras were probably the most. I believe in SoCal in the desert, we had such great and happy memories memories with friends. And mm-hmm. we were building those new relationships. And we found so many good people in the desert. Mm-hmm. And then the Sierras, I think, because it was so scary yeah. from time to time since we went through it in the snow. And we're going through at least eight feet mm-hmm. of snow consistently. Yeah. Um, and just really bonding with people when we would climb these passes because you have so much anxiety. But when you're doing it together and you're cheering each other on mm-hmm. and you get to the top and you take pictures together, there's such a high and a bondingness, which in neuroscience they talk about that, uh-huh. that you bond to people when you go through like intense activity like that you can say traumatic i would say some of that stuff is traumatic out there yeah and so if you're with certain people and you're all rooting each other on and you're there for each other you Mm -hmm. do bond in a very different way for sure and i would say that bonding with other people in that way is a way to mentally fortify yourself because if you're going through something traumatic but you're in touch or bonded to this other person or people that you're hiking with i mean it gives you a stronger sense of confidence. Mm. And not only do you get that from hiking with a group, you get a, you get like this, this pack mentality, mm-hmm. you know, you can do this because you're with other people. There's strength in numbers. I mean, it's, it, it's just what happens when you're doing things like this with others. I like that. And I think, cause I remember in San Jacinto's remember mm. when we kind of formed and bonded this group. Like I actually think everybody we met, in the Jacintos is every way that became our tramway we considered throughout the hike. Yeah. Because um, we all went through that. That was the first part of the snow sections that we went through. And a lot of people had never done snow before. Mm-hmm. And so people um, had some pretty scary moments out there. People had slipped and fallen pretty long directions. Like, didn't Tumbleweed bust his leg open <laughs> And ble- he was bleeding. Yeah, in San Jack. He, he stepped through uh, a very thin snow bridge. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, you have these things that happen, but we were all together and we all checked in on each other. And I remember, wasn't it Razor? Didn't they go back for Razor? Shroom Boots did. Yes. He waited for her. So we were all kind of checking in on each other in that section. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys, his uh, trail name is Shroom Boots. Uh, we were passing him and uh, he's like, hey, have you guys seen Razor? And we're like, yes, she was back there probably a mile or so, um, but we haven't seen her in a minute. And he said, well, I'm going to wait on her and make sure she gets to the group because we'd all kind of talked about where to camp that night together. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure everybody was safe that through the San Jacintos. And there was a group of like 15 of us, mm-hmm. wasn't there? Yeah. It's a big group. It was a big group. And Razor and Shroom Boots got there because she'd mm-hmm. had a very traumatic, scary moment um, out there where she had fallen pretty far down a snow chute uh, that day. And mm-hmm. so that was really cool to see. And then I also want to talk about maybe a little bit of a negative twist to this is the folks in town you come across. On the whole, and we've touched on this a little bit in the last episode, on the whole, people in town are very kind. They're accommodating to hikers. And in certain seasons, I mean, we're a huge chunk of their business. So of course, they're going to be nice to us and welcome us in. 
But we did have a few negative experiences in town. Um, only one of them had to do with an establishment and the staff there. The rest, it was just, just a bunch of randos in town that we came across. And again, we're hikers. You'll be hikers. We are hikers. And we smell. We smell. <laughs> and we stick out like a sore thumb. You can't not pick us out of a crowd. Um, you want to go into these these few anecdotes mm-hmm. right here, these incidences? Yeah, I guess I can tell one story that really lit my fire. Uh, we went to, I'm just going to say it because, <laughs> but it was the Idlewild Brewery. <laughs> we went there um, with two of the other hikers, Juices and Hey Google, and I was so hungry. I was so hungry. We had just gotten off trail that day. I was so looking forward to a burger and beer and I'm so excited. And I, we, we go in and we had already showered, but we were wearing um, borrowed clothes because we had gotten all of our clothes. They were being washed. And Deuces and Hey Google, I do not believe had showered yet. So they still had their packs with them. They had just gotten into town. And the server comes up to us, won't even look us in the eye and just ask us if we can have, like, what, what do we want? We're sitting outside. And we're sitting outside, and uh, I'm like, can we try some beers? She comes back maybe 15 minutes later with these samples, leaves us. We wait another 10 or 15 minutes for her to come back. Like It's like we had to catch her to try to get beers. Mm-hmm. And so we finally get beers maybe 40 minutes later, and I am over there ticking away like a time bomb. And... I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, you know what? It's really busy out here. Maybe she's just really busy. And Wesley got the wrong beer. So then we're trying to catch someone else to get the right beer. Almost an hour has gone by. And I made a comment. And I was like, I think she's not helping us because we're hikers. Like, for that could be wrong. However, she won't look us in the eye. She hasn't even given us a food menu. And I'm so hungry. Mm-hmm. I can't even find her. And... I look over and a table had been sat 30 minutes before us, or I'm sorry, 30 minutes after us that we'd gotten there. And they were eating. And they already had food. And I saw her coming out to them and laughing with them and cutting up with them. But every time she'd even try to come over to us, it we felt, I literally was like, it looks like we're a waste of her time. Yeah. And so I lose it. <laughs> and it was aggravating too, because whenever we would try and ask another server or bartender for help, they would say, ask your server. So, I've never yeah. had another restaurant do that before. It was very weird. So then finally, we're like, let's just get the check. Um, and I, there was a lot more complication besides that. But we finally went to a pizza place across the street, and it was a much better experience. And so <laughs> it was just such a strange moment where it was like, okay, I don't think it's because we're not just humans here who she doesn't like us. Like, legitimately, she didn't want to serve us and yeah. that was the only experience we ever had that on trail yeah from a from establishment and mm-hmm. plenty of other people have said that they love the Idaho brew pub that was just our experience on that one yeah yeah um and then we we had a few, a diff- few you can talk about those we but. just had a few rude people mm-hmm. in towns the first time we went to julian for marie's base camp's birthday uh, we went to the julian brew pub What's with all these brew pubs? That's like an MO. MO. <laughs> we went to the brew pub. We sat outside with our food and beer. We walked by these two guys whose table was like right behind ours. And one of the guys just like mumbles fucking hikers. He's like, it must be that time already. And I mean, 
whatever, dude, have your opinions, but keep them to yourself or at least not to where we can hear them. And mm-hmm. a similar experience uh, was when we were in the town of Bishop for the first time. Again, we went to one of the breweries there. Uh, we went there with Deuces and Azul. Azul. Yeah. And as Base Camp and Azul were fiddling around with their packs outside, and we were all sitting outside, but they went back to their bags to grab something. This guy is walking in, and what does he say? He's like, fucking hiker's great. It's that time again. And he says it for just loud enough for us to hear it. <laughs> and then he <laughs> like, goes inside. Whoa. Then he goes inside. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't stop and talk to us or confront us about this. Yeah. It's, it's freaking, like, online... Mm-hmm banter and trolling is what it is yeah it was very strange but it felt like i will say for the most part like the good outweighed the bad in that world those were like very a few instances those were the only ones we experienced yeah yeah but they were painful i mean it's it's really difficult when um you're being judged by other people and they don't even know you and they're just looking at you and assuming that you're going to be gross and messy and dirty and like hiker trash that idea yeah just comes with that mo and it was a very hard reality to see that when people would treat us a certain way especially when you've mm-hmm. been in the backcountry hiking hundreds to thousands of miles and you feel very proud of what you've done you feel proud of what your friends have done and to have someone you don't know who doesn't know what you've gone through talk down to you like that it's hard Mm -hmm. but again so many people all over the planet experience this on a daily basis in different and varying ways yeah so for us to only have it happen to us a few times and such isolated experiences you know yeah i would say that we were fortunate for that and i do want to say this does not compare at all at all to what other people experience in discrimination and prejudice um but i do feel like we got just a tiny taste, like a drop in the ocean to what other people experience every single day. And I just want to say, if you're listening to this and you do experience prejudice or discrimination, I'm so sorry because it's not okay that people don't see you for who you are. It's hurtful. Yeah. And not want to hear your stories and Mm -hmm. your experience, but they just look at you and they just instantly judge you based off the color of your skin or the way you dress or the way your hair looks, you know, or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. Um, So, yeah. Whenever you heard those people say things like fucking hikers, et cetera, et cetera, it's that time again, how did that make you feel? And did you have to like sort through it over time or did it just kind of dissipate like that? I think it still brings up something in me. Yeah. I think I still feel this, um, this weird judgment of someone not wanting to actually approach and ask a question, Mm -hmm. but, and not wanting to understand who I am, but more looking at me like I'm in this whole bracket Uh and thinking that this is, I must be this dirty, trashy person that's going to trash this establishment or, Mm -hmm. or not tip well, or not give back to society, but just take, take, take. Um, was kind of the impression I was getting from some people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it still stings a little. Yeah. But I think at the same time, um, being able to register it and acknowledge it yeah, and say, oh, this has happened. I feel that pain. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to know how to grow through that and become better myself. Yeah, Like how do I then not do that to other people? Yeah. Um, so it really helped me go into a different space of empathy, I think. I think for me, I had to hold back on not blowing up on some of these people. 
Because if I had heard that guy and Bishop say that to you, I would have gone off on him. You would have, yeah. And the experience in Julian, I heard something, I, I said something in response, and they said nothing else back. And I was very kind about it. Um, but I think if you can approach these situations in an amicable, kind enough manner, then it will more or less diffuse them. But mm -hmm. it's still, it, it's hard to cope with sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a good segue into something I didn't put in the article. But one thing you discovered is that when people would ask us how our experience or trail has been so far, and we would give them like good comments, but they didn't really receive like the negative things that happen on trail things, a lot. Yeah. And that happened to you way more than me. Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, sure. It, I think um, because, you know, when you're out there for, what, seven days and you have nothing but your backpack, there there is some mental challenges there. There's some physical challenges you're enduring. And it can get very hard. There are days where you're exhausted. There are days where you're hiking up mountains constantly and your muscles just hurt and your feet hurt. And, you know, there are days where you just want to cry. <laughs> and so there would be times where we would go into town and I would, you know, people would ask how it was going and I would start to tell them about these things and they would just look at me and go, but, but isn't it fun though, right? Aren't you having fun? This happens so many times. Aren't you having fun? And I just remember saying, well, I don't know if I'd ever call it fun, call through <laughs> hiking fun. Uh -huh. I'd call it rewarding. I would call it awe inspiring. I would call it life changing. But most things that are really fucking hard aren't fun. They hurt. And then afterwards you look back and you go, oh my goodness, I'm a better person because of this. Yeah. And so I, it was just such an interesting comment that people would say, well, aren't you having fun? I'm like, I mean, I laugh sometimes, but I also cry. Yeah. <laughs> I feel every emotion yeah. when I'm on trail. Every single emotion is completely unhindered and unhinged out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's, yeah, I feel the highest of the highs. I feel the lowest of the lows. And then some days I felt nothing. Yeah. I just enjoyed the quietness of hearing the birds chirp. Yeah. If you ever want to feel more connected to the planet or... Oh the presence of God or whatever deity you might believe in, or just calm your mind, go out, hike, camp. Immerse yourself in nature. But, and I think you need to go out there for longer than two days or three days. I, I agree. I think all of that can be answered with a quote from permafrost. It beats a day in the office. <laughs> permafrost. We'd always, you know, he'd be like, well, it beats another day in the office. I'm like, you're right, permafrost. Damn right it you're does. You're right. Yeah. That was really all the hardships that we had to deal with with other people. Um, and I will say, as far as other hikers go, again, they were all great. But something we did experience that we did not anticipate was the bubble being dumped on our heads. We don't hike the fastest on trail. We hiked pretty average, but we had days where we would just kill some miles. But that didn't have any influence on what happened. So around Sisters, um, fires broke out. Big fires, yeah. And those fires... In NorCal and Oregon, yeah. Closed huge chunks of the trail. Mm -hmm. And so everybody approaching that section, a.k.a. the bubble, was forced to jump ahead or jump off trail. And those who jumped ahead... Landed right on the area we were on. Frog Lake Trailhead. <laughs> which which sucked. 
sucked. It was the worst. It sucked for us. I know it had to suck for them because they had to change the plans that they had for their height. Yeah. And it was just unfair for all parties, really. Yeah, it just felt this like a clusterfuck. It was one of those moments where we, I, it was, it was like a bubble times five. It wasn't even the bubble. It was this monster bubble, and we're all hitting each other at the same time. So we couldn't find campsites, and we had to camp in a ditch one time because we couldn't find anything. It was just constantly having to play this game of if we hike faster, will we get to a campsite faster? And then other people would only hike 10 miles to get to a campsite and they would camp at 3 PM. And I'm like, well, we have to get more miles than 10 miles. So we'd do 25 or 30. So we just keep going until we hoped we could find a campsite. Yeah. (laughs) So, and when all this happened, we found ourselves bitching and moaning about the whole circumstance and how Mm -hmm. we were having to, Camp in a ditch, mm-hmm. you know, uh, foot clear, a spot for us to pitch our tent on. Mm-hmm. And as we got to know more and more of these hikers, they yeah. weren't just the bubble. They were hikers with trail names and it they helped. had their own story. Yeah, it helped a lot. And it helped, uh, helped us empathize. Absolutely. Them. Because once we started getting to know people and asking them who they were, finding out where they came from and where they, like, finding out, you know, they, oh, yeah, they were in NorCal and they had to miss 500 plus miles and they're hoping they could go back after they got to the monument. And just hearing their stories and hearing how they got where they are now was very helpful to realize, mm-hmm. oh, this is a person. This isn't the bubble. This is a sweet human that didn't want to be here either. <laughs> so Yeah, they wanted to be several hundred miles back where they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so nature, again, does you know, create a curveball sometimes that you cannot control. You can't control the fires. No, you cannot. All you can do is control when you start and how fast you blow through the areas it might burn. Now that is true. Yeah. Cause yeah. we were trying to get out of NorCal as fast as we could. Mm-hmm. And we did, we were doing, we were booking at least 28 to 30 mile averages every single day and only yeah. took two zeros through that section. I think. Yeah. So we were just trying to get out of NorCal before it hit. Oh, it felt so good to do 30 mile days. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it hurt, but chunking away 30 miles, you feel productive. You do, but I feel like we were exhausted the next day after oh, we, we were. did 30. We, we were. I, next time we ever do a through hike, I really told Wesley, I want to challenge ourselves to do like consecutive 30s and 35s just to see what our body adapts to. Yeah. Because we could easily do 20 by the end. Like it was an easy day. There was no problem there. 20 was the norm. It was a very normal day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 25 was also what we would normally do. Mm-hmm. And then 30 was like, okay, we just need to like get some miles in. Yeah. 30s were usually to get us into town. Oh, that is where, um, that is exactly when I was, oh man. Pushing hard. I would push hard to get in town. Uh-huh. But anyway, th- something I did want to talk about though was in hiking world. Uh-huh. Something that I've learned being back here that's different than hiking is when there's somebody, like you always find the people you love to hike with. So you hike with them, right? You're so excited to see them. It's like a reunion every time you see them again on trail. And then there's other people that you're like, ooh, I don't really want to hike with this person. They're not um, enjoyable is probably what I would say. They don't bring out the best in you. Yeah. Yeah. So what you can do on a trail is you can normally just hike slower or hike faster and you may never see them again because sometimes you could be a day from someone and you'll never see them on the trail. 
And that happens a lot. I mean, we found out there were people that all of our family, they would know people on trail that were just a day ahead of us that we never actually met on trail. Mm -hmm. It was so weird. But here in the cotton world, you can't get away from people. There's no way. Especially at your place of employment. Yeah. There's, you can't just hike slower or faster. You can't work faster and get away from yeah. it. <laughs> so there is a dynamic that's a little different on trail where if you, you can choose who you want to be with on trail. And I love that. Mm-hmm. It feels very empowering. It does. Um, it did. Yeah. But, you know, it's a different dynamic when you get back into the, the working world again and figuring mm-hmm. out how you navigate, you know, people. Yeah. I think one other thing we should mention, probably the last thing with other hikers, is varying hiker speeds. We had to deal with this, especially in the beginning, because we started the trail with heavy packs. We didn't move very quickly. I didn't move very quickly. Well, (laughs) you and I hiked as a unit. Yeah, he chose to hike slower. We, we always let you hike in front for the most part. Yeah. And you set the pace and it worked out perfect. And we finished the trail. Yeah, we did. But yes. it was difficult whenever some tall, skinny hiker <sighs> with their little dinky pack. Come blowing past us. Would blow past us. And I mean, we're, we're competitive people. So it was hard for us to come to grips with the fact that we were getting passed all the time. Well, and those were two different experiences for both of us, which this could be interpersonal. Um and how we processed that competitiveness. Because I know I processed it different than you did. Yeah. Or what I would think in my head versus what you would think in your head. Mm-hmm. But um, would that be a good segue into interpersonal? Or do you want to touch back on the social? I, I think we're still in social. Because mm-hmm. um, we got to talk about us. I know. This is going to be a long episode. <laughs> it might. But, but real quick, how, when, when do you think you stopped um, letting the fact we were getting past bother you? Well, we started getting faster in Oregon and we started passing everybody else. Yeah. And also we started passing people because a lot of these people were coming up from behind us and we were in crazy shape, Mm -hmm. a different world. And so I feel like we actually started passing more people. And in Oregon, Oregon we sure did. Yeah. Did did you like feel a way about people passing us in the Sierras? Oh, yeah. You did. I felt okay. a way about SoCal, Sierras, and NorCal. When people would pass us and all of a sudden they're bragging about, bragging. They talk about how they were doing 40-mile days. I literally internally be like, fuck you. Like, because <laughs> I'm like, okay, what am I doing wrong with my life? Because you don't even look like you're struggling. Uh-huh. I'm over here crying when I do a 30-mile day. That's that effortless perfection right there. Yeah, which we could talk about because that's uh-huh. the whole thing on trail that no one talks about. So how did you feel about when we would get past? Whew. Well, that's a multifaceted um, response coming your way. So it bothered me for sure because I don't like to be passed. I like to pass people. And I like to know and feel that I'm strong, which, of course, I did as we continued to hike. I think... It was hard for me to come to grips with the fact that we were being passed. One, because at least in me, I thought that I would be hiking faster if we weren't hiking as a team. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I was out there hiking the trail with you. I was never going to leave you and I wanted to hike with you. Mm -hmm. So I had to struggle sometimes with 
not like pointing a finger at you and saying the reason we're getting past is mm-hmm. because of our hiking speed because we're going slower. And I think I came to grips with that after the first few weeks, especially after having a good talk with Decades. Decades was such a wonderful listener and he had so much good feedback, Wisdom. I think. Yeah. After really SoCal and in the Sierra section, once we're hiking through the snow and we're in the middle of the thaw season, like you just can't hike fast. And that's when I kind that's of true. let go of being passed. And at that point, it was more survival and comfort than stupid, petty things like being competitive or, mm-hmm. or being passed. So mm-hmm. I think for me, the Sierras is whenever I was finally able to just let go of that. Mm. And I did forget to mention in my, in my process, the struggle for me with getting past because I knew I was the weak link. Like I knew this is why we're getting past because Wesley's a lot faster than I am. And this feeling of like, we had to have a lot of conversations where I'd be like, you can just go hike on your own if you want to. (laughs) Yeah. And I would feel very insecure and very like, I knew that it felt like I'm the problem here and I'm not, as fast or I'm not as strong and also having such a heavy pack on too was really, really hard to process through. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was mainly guys who passed us was the thing. It was mainly these guys with these very light packs with really, really tall legs. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and there was a joke in our like tramley quote unquote that, you know, we were always the last people in, you know, we were the slowest <laughs> and, we started joking. Oh, we were sweeping the trail. Yeah, so by the end, I do think that's when I began to accept it, was uh-huh. in the, by the end of SoCal, I began to just accept that Wesley's going to hike with me. Mm-hmm. I need to process why this bothers me so much. I still yeah. didn't like it, but um, I need to actually accept mm-hmm. that this is just where we're at. So we started joking about how we sweep the trail to make sure all of our friends are safe for the night. <laughs> well, we were carrying four pound sleeping bags. So. We were, we were, <laughs> man, once we started shaving a lot of weight, yeah. I will say by Oregon, I mean, we were, uh huh. we were cruising. Yeah. I felt like, like we were going much faster. But I guess this is a good segue into like the us component. Our, our, our social. Yeah. Our, our social dynamic. Um, because if you're hiking with a spouse or if you meet someone on trail or a partner yeah, or a partner, or even if you uh, just have like one really good friend and y'all hike together all the time, completely unromantic. I mean, you have to communicate and you have to compromise with that person if you're going to stay together on that hike. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, stuff happens that you can't <laughs> anticipate. Um, situations and problems arise that you never would have thought would. And if you don't talk those out and check in with the person you're hiking with, or even the people that you're hiking with, I mean, that can cause a rift between you. And like we said earlier, we had to talk a lot about hiking speeds and who leads wind and compatibility on trail. Um, There were only two scenarios where we did not hike together for a short period of time. And the first time that happened... (laughs) Yeah, was just outside of Deep Creek Hot Springs. There was a pretty intense climb. I had had a lot of M&Ms. A handful of M&Ms. And a couple of shots of tequila. 
Yeah. Someone had hiked in. Jedi, yeah. And uh, I asked base camp if I could just hike ahead or hike in front. <laughs> hike in front. Let me rephrase that. I asked if, <laughs> if I could hike in front. And I read that as me just like Go going ahead. unleashed and unhinged and flying uphill. And she interpreted it as setting me the pace. setting the pace, yeah. but still hiking with her. And so I started to hike in front <laughs> and I left her. He took in five seconds, like the road runner. Like, and I couldn't uh, see her, and I stopped at the top of the climb and sat there. For like 15 minutes. And when she finally came around the corner, I, I, could, I could see steam coming out of her ears. I felt so hurt. And that's when we had our first big talk about not being compatible hikers on trail had we not known each other before we started. Yeah, like we started discussing how, you know, if we'd never met each other before and we were on the trail, we wouldn't be compatible like Tramley, because he would be much faster. I would be slower. I may go long miles, but I go all day kind of slow. Mm -hmm. And Wesley would probably be the one who would just hike fast and then camp at four or five, like Jedi, and yeah. just be and, and just derpy derp around and like, you know, push over dead trees. <laughs> derpy derp. No, not derpy derp. Like, doot to do it. Doot to do. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. No, no, no. But that began this bigger conversation for me of like man we we're i feel like we're compatible outside of hiking but in this world of through hiking i don't feel like we're compatible at all mm. and because you wanted to take more zeros but you would have hiked faster to take more zeros i hike slower so i don't need i don't want as many zeros yeah and it did begin this conversation where we really had to hash out and talk through that idea and I'm very laissez-faire, kind of hands-off, kind of go with the flow-ish. And I'm structured. I want to know where are our water sources? What does the day look like? Where are the campsites coming up? Yeah. Um, and what's funny, though, is I did let go of a lot of that by the time we got to Washington. You did. I did. Like, you did. By Washington, I was like, I don't care. <laughs> and, and I started getting to a point, and it tapered off, but I set my alarm, and I would, I'd wake up instead of hitting snooze and make the coffee. And I would be more <laughs> intentional about, yeah. yeah, about yeah. timing and punctuality. So, and then as it got later and later, the, the snooze would become an hour. The wheels just came off. <laughs> the wheels came off completely. Yeah, but yeah. hey, we'd get out by seven. Or, yeah, you know, every morning or eight. I've, I'd always bother me when hikers would get up and be out by six thirty. Oh, like, fuck those hikers! Like, yeah. Oh, but anyway, but back to us though. We, um, it wasn't until Washington or not Washington. It wasn't until Oregon when we realized this, but up to that point we'd had lots of like, I don't want to use arguments, but just intense conversations about our different dynamics, wants and needs out there. Mm -hmm. And Basecamp brought up a really good point that she hikes in front, I hike behind. We talk about intense things. We're not looking at each other and we're not touching. And for those types of conversations, I think we both can agree that mm -hmm. eye contact and physical touch is very important because it's a different level of communication than just words. You and I both know I'm not the best with words and sometimes things come out sideways for me. So whenever I'm looking at you and touching you and saying things, it's received differently than if mm -hmm. I'm just speaking it. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. it's very true. We did start doing that more and more in Oregon and Washington, which helped a lot. Yeah, right around Sisters is when we had that talk. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. It, and it's interesting because I remember before we hit NorCal, 
I remember <laughs> I was, I feel like I'd had like a buildup of frustration because um, I didn't want us to take as many zeros as we had taken. And I had felt like my voice wasn't being heard of like, we're going to hit fires or what if we like, don't make it to Washington by a certain time. And so I remember, remember when we were hiking and I was like, I just, I feel like we need to listen to my like advice now. Yeah. Cause I had been compromising of, I kept thinking we need to get out and start an extra day early. Uh And Wesley really wanted to take another zero. And I think it was good though for our mental health and it was good for where we were, but I was feeling a lot of anxiety about getting out and I felt this ticking time bomb going off Mm. of like if we don't start hauling ass and moving because we were doing 15 mile days and 17 and all the sudden and Wesley compromised back with me because I was like I just we have to start picking up our miles and we did and we started doing 25s to 30s up in NorCal and yeah. that picked up everything, and we got past the fires. Like, the fires hit literally, what, a week or two after we got out of them. Yeah. So there was this this give and take between both of us of, at the end of the day, I think I learned that what matters is not whether you're right or wrong. It The connection is what matters most. Uh-huh. And so where am I willing to compromise And where am I willing to also, though, communicate back that this is what I need to? Mm -hmm. And I think we did, I think we learned that balance as we were out there. Yeah. Of, okay, you're communicating your needs to me. I need to listen to that, too. Mm -hmm. And I need to listen to the fact that you need this or you need that. Yeah. And then on the flip side, me also saying, but I need this, too. Yeah. And us trying to problem solve and figure out Mm -hmm. what do, how do we help each other get those needs met? And to that, I'll say, and this also not only applies to relationships, but your work ethic, just give a shit. Like, try and fight for connection in the situations. Do your best. Communicate things mm-hmm. that need to come out. And, you know, it, it will pay off in your favor mm-hmm. and your significant other's favor or whatever situation you're, you're in. Mm-hmm. Just give a shit. Don't let your pride get in the way. Don't check out. And don't yeah. don't don't check out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just like go internal. I think that's what we can do. Because when you're on trail with another person. Yeah. Especially a romantic spouse or, uh, you know. Partner or whatever. Partner or a person you meet on on trail of, of tromance. A tromance. Um, you definitely, I mean, emotions are more heated, uh-huh. I think. And I think they can be as well for friends if something comes up or a friction. But if it's romantic, you've got a multitude of emotions happening there. And so I think that being able to learn how to communicate through those things and when something does come up on trail, communicate. Like, don't let it go and just don't let it simmer because it will come out at some point because your Mm -hmm. body can't hold those emotions in anymore and it doesn't want to. And so the best thing you could ever do for your relationship is just talk about it. Uh-huh. Just let it out and learn how to communicate together because you're trying to problem solve together. And you'll find that the longer you're out there hiking, the less you can hold in. Mm-hmm. It your just, body can't handle it. I mean, you're out there hiking and sweating and detoxing for months. And that's not just physical. It's also emotional. And mental, yeah. So, so that would be the biggest advice I give to anyone that's going with a couple or whatever may happen is... You're not out there to fight against each other. 
you're mm-hmm. out there to fight together. Yeah. And so learning how to fight for each other mm-hmm. and problem solve. It's a problem solve together. That's yeah. what it is. You know, yeah. I think we should have a mini episode later about romance and relationships on trail. Ooh, that'd be great. Yeah. We can mm-hmm. talk about some good stuff. Because I think it's very important. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that. All right. But- the last area that we need to discuss is the intrapersonal oh so, boy <laughs> the internal not the not the environment not your physical pains not the you and i but just the i y'all this, this has been a very emotional um, like episode i feel it has been i mean and not in a bad way but like it's a my body one. is feeling very um alive right now is it yeah because we're talking about all these emotional things that Happened on trail. Oh, yeah. we did forget to mention the second time on trail when we didn't hike together. Do you want to tell, should we tell that story or just leave it? I'm not even sure what caused that to happen, to be honest with you. Remember it was my sunglasses? No, my headlamp. It was your headlamp. So we were packing up camp in Washington and she had asked me to be mindful that her headlamp was still in there to grab it before I pick up the tent and shake it out like I do every single day. And he didn't hear me. I didn't hear it. I picked up the tent, shook it out, and her headlamp dropped on the dirt. It's completely undamaged, still worked fine, but it fell on the dirt after she had asked me to check it. Yes. And, and so I felt hurt because I felt like he didn't hear me. And I said some dumb things. What did I say? You said you just you just need to you said something about calming down. It was you were a, like it was you're a being you. very you're being you very down. aggressive right now. And you were like, why can't you just, why, this is no big deal. Like, why are you being so upset about this? Yeah. And I got even more upset because you were like playing it down because I felt like you didn't hear me. And uh-huh. so that's why, so I got very hurt. So she hiked angry. away from me. Well, cause I said, I said, I, I, I'm feeling a lot of emotions right now. I don't know what to say. And you were like, well, if you just want to go ahead and hike, then, then go. Uh-huh. And I did. I was like, fine, I will. <laughs> Yeah. And this was in Washington, wasn't it? Yeah. It was Washington in the morning. It was very misty. Mm-hmm. And it was only for maybe a half hour. Yeah. Like I st- stormed ahead and then halfway through, I was like, I just need to talk to him about this. And she so started hiking back. I turned around and hiked back to him. And the first thing out of his mouth, we hug and he's like. I was trying to figure out how to separate our bank account. That's all he was thinking about. He's like, she's going to divorce me now. And so how do we separate our bank account? <laughs> good times. Good times. <laughs> What's the, the woman whose podcast and books do you love? Brene Brown. Uh, Brene Brown uh, would be so proud of this conversation. I think so. She, I listen to her a lot on trail. Yeah. She was like my go-to whenever I'm in that hard space. Because she talks so much about getting like being brave and being in the arena. And I'm like, I'm fucking in the arena. <laughs> like, <laughs> the man slash woman slash they in the I'm arena. I'm in the arena. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, yeah. So it was just like, she was such a great teacher she was. to me on trail. Honestly, she was a voice of wisdom. Should we talk about interpersonal? So now let's, yes. Intrapersonal. Intrapersonal. Okay. Let me read the intro to this. When it's all said and done at the end of each day before you fall asleep, there will be you with yourself, your thoughts alone, even if you have a partner or a family. When your eyes close, your mind may race after a rough day riddled with adversity, or it might quickly quiet from a beautiful day of hard work and laughter. In each case, each experience on trail is only so impactful as you're willing to let it be. I won't say your thoughts and mind will be your own worst enemy, but there are just moments out there that will be hard. There's no easy way to get around that. 
You'll experience the extreme highs of majestic vistas, great moments with friends, and your brain will light up when you taste pizza after a week in the wilderness. Inversely, the lows may be rock bottom low. It won't be easy finding a calm or happy space if you're freezing cold and soaked to the bone after managing only a few miles and looking forward to cold-soaked ramen. The key is to accept that most anything can happen out there and sort through it within yourself. Have you ever seen the movie Inside Out before? Well, in the movie, each emotion is a character, and they all have to live with each other in harmony as best they can for the system to work. You may find yourself having internal conversations with your sadness and happiness at the same time while your anger is holding on the other line. While hiking or in your bag at night, you may find yourself replaying choices you made, conversations with others, or interactions with folks from town, both good and bad. Two things to remember are, you can't control nature, so don't even try. And despite what happens or what's said, each person is just doing their own thing. And then from there, I just go into a little bit more detail on those two topics. You can't control nature. And then each person is just doing their own thing. Um, to the nature component, we've already spoken about this a little bit, so we don't need to go into great detail. But those hikers that told us we need to surrender to the process of the trail, I mean, you pick your poison here. To them, I said complete garbage and that I won't surrender, but I'll accept the things I can and can't change. Um, so what I would say to myself often on trail was the serenity prayer. Um, I would just recite that to myself. And I found out that another hiker, Tumbleweed, really appreciated that. And he would listen to the man in the arena each morning. So we all had like our own little mantras to get us through things. Can you actually say the serenity prayer real quick? I'm going to actually bring it up so that yeah. way people hear it and know what we're talking about yeah um, it's right there yeah so this is a serenity prayer if you've never heard it god grant me the serenity to accept the things i cannot change the courage to change the things i can and the wisdom to know the difference and so i would recite that to myself on a daily basis and i think it really helped me because there were a lot of factors out there that I couldn't control, but what I could control was how I responded to it, especially the elements, because you're a small speck in this massive world and the weather is going to do what it's going to. Other people are going to do what they're going to, and you just can't control that. So if you go into situations like a big through hike with a surrender mentality, that's your thing. You do not have to go in it with this very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? with this aggressive anti-surrender mindset oh. <laughs> like I do, or maybe you're somewhere in the middle, but whatever really gets you through the day is what you should follow. You just need to hike your own hike. Each person is just doing their own thing. So you'll be out there doing your own thing. Every other hiker will be doing exactly the same. And it is okay for you to do what you want and not follow the herd or not skip a section because Joe Blow is worried about the burn zone on a climb. Do you? And at the end of the day, I think you'll be happy that you did. Yeah, and I think also something, you know, we saw out there is um, we saw people skipping parts of the trail that weren't even burn sections. We saw people, we, begin to, we began to find out, uh -huh. especially in NorCal, um, that there were sections where someone could pick you up 
And then 40 miles later on the trail, they could drop you off. And so people were skipping like 40 mile sections in different places. And this was a really difficult thing for me to process because I think that the feeling of, you know, not breaking your footpath. And this was our conviction that we were not going to do that. And we'd come so far and to see people like we were in pain, <laughs> and, you know, and really doing it and to see people skipping like big chunks of sections, it just felt very, what's the word? Dis- disrespectful of the trail or yeah, the trail and the integrity that people have for it. Really. Yeah. Cause I think then we started when we met these people and there were multiple people doing this, when we met people starting to do this, um, they would act like they were doing everything. And then when we even got to the monument, these people also got to the monument and they're acting like they did 2,653 miles. Uh-huh. And I feel honestly anger about it because I felt like that was cheating. <laughs> well, it's, it's like you spent 15 hours on a paper in high school or college and you got a solid A on it and another student in the class copy wrote half of their paper copy wrote copy written copy wrote they, they, <laughs> copy i don't know copyrighted they plagiarized copy, half of their paper just copy and pasting quotes and other excerpts from articles online and they also get an a and it's not caught or flagged by the teacher well you have so much pride in this paper that you got an a on because you i mean you put blood sweat and tears into it mm-hmm. it's the same thing with the trail if you've dedicated yourself to continuing on this hike and you've maintained a continuous footpath, you haven't skipped anything, you haven't been pushed ahead by any fires, you take pride in that mm-hmm. because it's a daily sup fest. Even on, on good days, like you're going to suffer and you have to just kind of put your head down sometimes and doze through it. And so to see someone coming out there also claiming the title of a through hiker who is yellow blazing or taking... Uh, forest service roads because they don't want to do a climb. I mean, it hurts. Physically hurts physically my body. Hurts I had, your body. I had a physical reaction to people doing this. but And, you know, um, somebody, it was Kuppa, had a great example of this. He said, if you're doing a race, you know, you don't ever skip anything in a race, in a run, a marathon. You don't skip anything. You do the exact same trail that everybody else is doing. And if you skip anything, you don't get a medal. No. You don't actually finish the trail. And no. what I think is very difficult about through hiking is it really is your your own hike. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to live with seeing other people do things like that. And I was shocked. I didn't uh-huh. even realize people did that until we started seeing it. Again, I think what was the like the hardest part for me to swallow was seeing them posting then after that and saying they did 2,653 miles. And I would be like, that's bullshit. <laughs> I was or, so mad. Or they would be extremely vague and be like, finished the PCT, got to the Northern Terminus. And I'm like, but you didn't hike the entirety Hundreds of Hundreds of it. miles, yeah, or anything like that. And so it was a very big pill to swallow. Probably the hardest that I had to mentally process for myself mm-hmm. and you know, and decide I need to let go of and learning for the future, whatever through hike we do again, that we're just going to have to let people do their thing and they're just going to do it. It doesn't change the fact that we think it's complete bullshit, but 
everyone needs to go out there and hike their own pilgrimage mm-hmm. or hike their own hike, however you see it, mm-hmm. how they need to. And mm-hmm. if that means just getting out there and skipping things that make them feel unsafe or things that they don't want to sweat through just because it's a hard climb, then so be it. And it is okay for them to do what they want as long as it's not hurting or harming anyone or the environment. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, too, the people know who did that, that were inside the trail. You know, like we as the brothers in arms, sisters in arms, we're the ones who know who went the whole way and did it and who didn't. Like It's a very incestuous community. Everyone knows everyone. (laughs) Rumors spread real quick, even without cell service. It's, It's amazing how that works. It's true. They call it like a conversation up the trail. Like we'll find out something that happened to one of our tramley or something. And they're like a week behind us, but someone, you know, you start doing that on trail where you'd be like, Hey, have you seen so-and-so or heard of so-and-so? And they'll start telling you, Oh yeah, they're, uh, they're back in this town. And yeah, I think they sprained their ankle or they got hurt. And so yeah. you start learning, like they call it rumors up the trail or gossip up the trail or something. Yeah. And again, we're, we're not talking about, folks who were hiking their own hike had a continuous footpath a fire caught and they had to skip that because it was completely closed and still smoldering yeah let's define we're not talking about people that had to skip up ahead because of the fires at all we are talking about people that we saw actually ask people to take them up the trail because they didn't want to deal with the snow anymore or they didn't want to deal with the fires like the burn sections that happened years ago, like there were multiple people for, that, that we saw skipping. Yeah, for example. That were a part of our time. In San Gorgonio, this guy, he's truly the only asshole that we met on trail. I won't use a name. But <laughs> we were hiking up the trail and we saw him take the dirt forest access road. And he was a heavier set fella. His hiking pace was not that fast. And... Yes. We would continue to see him in towns, and we're hauling ass. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what happened in between the periods where we did and didn't see him. Mm -hmm. But if I had to guess, I would say that he just continued to yellow blaze. Yeah. And then again, um, whenever we got off of the trail and we're trying to get a hitch into Markleyville, this sweet, sweet section hiker, uh, Amethyst. Oh, yeah. She was wonderful. She picked us up and took us into Markleyville, and there were three other hikers with us. Well, they asked her if they would, or she would just take them on to South Lake Tahoe. Which was like 120 miles of trail. It's a huge chunk of trail that they just skipped. Just like that. Yeah, they didn't want to do it. And again, it's their hike. If that's what they decide, that they don't care about it. I get, but where I get crazy is when I see people bragging and saying that they did finish or they are a through hiker. Yeah. (laughs) And so that's where I get very... I guess aggressive or defensive in my own self, my own mm-hmm. body reaction is, Ooh, no, but, um, but it's a, it's a whole world that I didn't even realize was there until we got into it, you know, and it is what it is. Uh, we, we found out even that people were getting hitched to, so the, the midpoint, um, you can actually, it's eight miles from a town. So people were getting hitched like from, what was it 50 or 60 miles away they're getting hitched to the town chester and they were hiking into the midpoint to sign it get a picture and then leave instead of hiking all the way through the burn section 
There was a whole burn area. Belden. Belden Town. Up the terrible climb. It was the worst climb. Out of Belden Town. <laughs> With Mama Hawk. Being attacked by a hawk. They just, they just skipped it because they didn't want to do it. And a lot of times people would pull the safety card, which I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you know, there, there comes a point, I feel like, in life where you can decide, do you want to face your dragons or do you want them to keep sleeping? And I feel like in a through hike, you have the best opportunity to face your fears, face your dragons. And those are the times, those climbs, those areas when you're scared shitless and you're like, I don't know if I can do this. If you avoid those areas, then you're not going to be able to learn from it and take it with you in your life after. Uh I feel like that's when you slay your dragons is on this trail. Yeah. And so that was, I think, probably why I feel like, oh man, I would have cheated myself if we had skipped a section because I was scared. Of my safety. Mm-hmm. So anyway. I completely agree. Yeah. So move, I guess <laughs> moving on from those. Yeah. Th- kind of those are our, lesson, those so. are our opinions. And clearly we feel very strongly about this. And whoever listens to this and you, if it's your first time through hiking, I hope you hear this and you get to hike your hike, but also know in those moments when you're scared for your safety um, you are the only one who can make your, your own call. Yeah. But you know, we had friends that did skip sections of trail and they came to us and they were like, we're like, you guys are the real through hikers yeah. and we're not. And we want to come back and we've got to finish those sections or I need to do this. And I just like, I commended them for that because I feel like there's integrity behind that in life. And, um, just think about that when you're doing this hike, that it's it's really about your own integrity. Don't cheat yourself out of your own experience. Yes. And same for through hikers that have done this. Don't cheat yourself on the next one. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're going through this process, when it gets really, really hard, uh-huh. don't cheat yourself. Like, go through it and find out who you are. Yep. So, yeah. And uh, choose your company wisely. There are... Through hiking is kind of like high school. There are cliques all over the place. You'll have the base weight, lightweight, ultra hiker clique. You'll have the cool kid clique. And then you'll have the guys. Drinkers. The, the, the drinkers and the partiers. <laughs> was, oh, and, yeah. What they call the bubble that was the party bubble. Oh. Was uh, it the party bubble? The, the whirlwind or something like that. So, yeah. Anyway. But anyways, choose who you hang out with. And if they do something that doesn't make you feel comfortable or good about yourself, you don't have to do it with them. No. Nope. You can do whatever you want. Uh-huh. And also... To that, um, if you feel unsafe doing something and you want to wait it out, or I know we just talked about skipping, if you need to do an alternate or go around something, do it. Because hiking with a group gives you a false sense of security sometimes. There's safety in numbers, but a herd mentality can lead to bad decisions sometimes. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind. Listen to your gut. And if your gut check is screaming at you, listen to it. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I think we really, we were fortunate in that we had each other on the trail. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have to be reliant on a tramley, um, because we had each other. But we loved the people that we hiked with and considered tramley. But we didn't have to have that for security. Mm-hmm. So we were fortunate in that. And I think just all of our experiences culminated, I don't even know what I'm trying to say right now. <laughs> all of our experiences culminated i don't know i don't know it it kind of died off it kind of died off yeah it did yeah. 
But moral of that story, hike your own hike, walk your own pilgrimage. Yeah. And, and, and hike your own hike was like a big term in our world this mm. last or last year. And man, oh man, the conversations that started when we started seeing people skipping and a lot of our family friends that we knew from the beginning of March, you know, were also seeing and experiencing this with other people too. And they were pissed and they were mm-hmm. like, fuck hike your own hike. Like, this isn't the integrity of the trail. And, you know, so it's it's definitely a friction spot, I think. Yeah. For a, a lot of people. And to wrap it all up, the reason that we ended with the interpersonal dynamic is because the physical, the environmental, and even the social. At the end of the day, all these stressors, all these scary conditions, all these people, these arguments, these good times, you're going to sit with it with yourself at the end of the day and process it out. And even when you're on the trail hiking or listening to music, your mind is going to wander and you're going to think about stuff because, I mean, you're out there for six months. At some point, you have to think and process shit out. So make the decisions that make you most comfortable and that make you feel good about yourself. Do what you need to. And if you need to scream or cry or process stuff with other people, do whatever you have to to get it out. But... Get that shit out. <laughs> Don't hold it in because you will implode. It's a literally a scientific fact that uh-huh. your brain, your body cannot handle. Once it starts working through that, if you try to shut it down while you're hiking, it, yeah. it won't work. It mm-hmm. literally will implode on you and you'll have to get it out at some point. <laughs> because mental health is also directly associated with your physical health. Mm-hmm. And studies have shown that stress can cause physical ailments, Um, sadness, depression, same exact thing. So just process stuff out. I think I would love to actually talk about the what was your intrapersonal you and then what was my intrapersonal me Mm -hmm. in the trail. Like what in the gamut of did that you went through, what do you feel like you went through and then what do you feel like you got from it? inside of that place that you have taken with you now inside like that's you well it's it's hard coming back to the cotton world after doing stuff like that because for six months over 2653 miles i know we did more because of our alternates and walk arounds Mm -hmm. you know you build up this confidence and you know that you're a badass because you're going through each day You're waking up the next day and you're doing it again and you were doing things that most people choose not to do or can't do, whatever their reason may be, but you're out there doing it and you're making the next day happen. And so that continually builds up your confidence in yourself. And what also bolsters your confidence is whenever you are physically stronger as well, because being in shape and being fit and feeling healthy does something for you mentally. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I think coming back after feeling like a Greek god through that whole process of hiking the trail and finishing it by the skin of our teeth, back to this real world where, Hmm. you know, it's hard to get a job that pays well um, coming off the rip with no vehicle and having to reestablish yourselves. It's very humbling and it sucks. Mm -hmm. And you have people who kind of look down on you because you're not making six digits whenever you just know you are capable of such grandiose things. And it's humbling, it sucks, 
and you either suck it up or you let it get to you. Mm. And so I've just had to really suck it up since it's coming back. And so I think that's a, a huge contrast between the two worlds because the trail really showed me that I'm capable of cool things. Greater things. Greater things. That and even can. cooler things to come probably. <laughs> yeah, it's true though. I feel like, but it's, I mean, just my observation of what I've seen in you too is I feel like you have a confidence about you in the way you communicate now yeah. with other people. Like mentally, emotionally, I feel like you've created a space of boundaries and like telling people like, hey, I'm not okay with that. I mean, you've said that to me mm-hmm. and I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with that. And mm-hmm. um, and I feel like we really practice that on trail a lot. Yeah. And I think that's one thing the trail taught me for sure and will probably teach all of you and I know it taught you mm-hmm. is that you know what your limits are and you know what you're willing and not willing to accept. So coming back, yeah, I'm kind of like the the no guy, all like goofy person still, but I'm not going to set people's bullshit. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they do. We're all people when it comes down to it. And if you throw every single human out there on that trail, everyone's on the same playing field. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter your career. doesn't matter your salary. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No. We're and all people. We, yeah. And then we come back into this world and it matters. People it care. It's your status. Uh-huh. Like it's who you are. And it's really hard. I would agree with that, mm-hmm. babe, that it's, it's really hard to come back into this world and, and not even realize how contrasting it was. Mm-hmm. Um, because before the trail, I don't even know if I realized how strong this this world is with, like, you have to look a certain way and sound a certain way and uh-huh. make a certain amount of money to be accepted or to be cool to people. And I didn't realize that how strong that was until we got yeah. back. Like, people yeah. don't care. It was weird. It was like people didn't care about the fact. I mean, they might have thought it was impressive. Uh-huh. But no one really wanted to hear the ins and outs, the pain, the hurt. Or the, like, the badassery that we did. Yeah. Um, and what they cared more about is, so what are you going to do? What's mm-hmm. the job you're going to do? Yeah. What's the, so how much are you going to make? Or, you know, it's just this, such an, a different dynamic mm-hmm. of this world that we are now in versus this the other world of learning how to belong to nature. I know. And embracing and that. And to that also, I think being out there for so long, other people have said it. So, I mean, it must be true. But I truly felt the change within me is that my level of active listening and sitting in silence more has, it's, I mean, it's a trait that I didn't really pride myself in before we started, but I grew in that, that area. And since coming back, I've noticed just how short people's attention span can be in conversation sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I try, I mean, you might notice that whenever I'm speaking in these podcasts, I take long pauses in between things because I'm thinking about what I'm saying instead of just letting my mouth run sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I did not do that as much before the hike. Um, So yeah, I think it just helped quiet me and calm me down a little bit. As far as interpersonal just changes that you felt within yourself, and then we can go more into the specifics of other people and how you deal with that internally as well. But just mm-hmm. what, what did the trail do for you? I think that it created more self-awareness for me mm-hmm. and just being very aware of the, the whole unifying of the body, the, the mind, the emotions, 
the physical aspect because they all work together out there. Mm -hmm. And if one part is hurting, they all will suffer. And, um, and when one part is doing great, all the other parts, if one part is suffering, you can see where it's at. Like if I'm physically doing great in that day, but emotionally I'm not like my emotions will like, it's just very apparent that it's there. Yeah. Um, and there's nowhere to suffocate what's happening to you. You can't numb it with, uh, your phone. You can't numb it with food. You can't numb it with alcohol. You can't numb it with distractions. You Mm -hmm. can't numb it with going out and doing a girl's night. Like, yeah, there's no way to numb anything inside of you. Once you're out there, you are out there and Mm -hmm. you are processing everything of who you are. Yeah. And so I think it really helped me to begin to navigate. How do I process emotion in my mind and put them into a practical term. Mm-hmm. And then now that I'm back, I can't even hold those emotions in anymore. Like yeah. we hold emotions in our body all the time. But when you do something like that, it all comes out. You can't yeah. hold it in anymore. The body won't let you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it began to teach me how to have self-awareness in, in that space. Yeah. And I think also it just opened my eyes to nature a lot more and what nature goes through and how we treat nature. I really awaken something in me of an empathy to nature how yeah. i haven't been protecting it as much as i could and um you and felt bad when we cut our christmas tree down yeah i felt horrible i was like this mm-hmm. is a living organism that that would have given a shade in the desert like and i yeah. i even cried thinking about it because you're so in tune with nature and the environment and it gives life to you at all turns and when the fires began to happen mm-hmm. And this is something that drives me a little crazy now that I've gotten back is when I'll tell people about the fires and they have not experienced nature like we have or haven't done a long through hike. They'll go, oh, but you need those fires. It's a natural process. It's a natural process of burning. And I'm like, but you don't understand. These are ungodly amounts that should not be this bad. And all the marmots are dying. All nature is dying inside of that. Sure, it'll get rebirthed, but it's going to take 30 years for it to get rebirthed and the animals don't come back. I love that you said marmots. Because <laughs> the marmots burn inside their little holes because they think that they're going, like, if they go, they go in burrow, they'll be okay. And anyway, I got very upset yeah. when I started to see these fires ravaging the forest because mm-hmm. All of these animals that call this place home, it's their home and it's no longer there yeah. for them. And we just aren't protecting that. Yeah. And so I get very, I have a very strong emotion towards the environment now that I didn't have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The trail is a pilgrimage. It is. It really is. And I know you've seen movies or played video games where like the hero is going against their shadow self or a doppelganger. Well, the trail is kind of like that. And by the time you finish, you've defeated that alter ego of yourself. Mm. And you've come out like a more refined version of who you are. I like that. Yeah. I like that. And with that, I just want to read the conclusion paragraph to the article that we wrote. I think it really summarizes things well. Whether you have positive or negative experiences with others on or off trail, the environment, your physical aches and pains, or struggle with your own thoughts at night, you'll have to wrestle with these things. Emotionally, bad experiences can and will drive you mad if allowed. If you let them, it will affect your trail experience and possibly send you back home. I suggest to you, the reader, to be the potter on trail, not the clay. Treat each experience on trail like clay, both good and bad. 
Take it, absorb the exchange, and mold it to what you want it to be. There will be negativity out there, but you'll need to mold it in such a way that you see beauty or humor in it and not allow it to ruin your hike. The good interactions with others will be what you remember. The laughs and campfire nights, the kindness of strangers, the tears you share with your fellow hikers, and all the coffee sunrise mornings from a sleeping bag with your family. Suck up the good, mold the bad, weather the storms, and use each moment to make your hike memorable. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to our episode of Yeti Walks Into Base Camp. We're your hosts, Yeti Legs and Base Camp. If you want to follow along on our social media or our YouTube channel, which we are trying to keep updated daily, uh, you can find links to that on our profile page. And please be sure to like and subscribe if you enjoyed this podcast. And as we say in the hiking community. In the hiking community. Happy Happy trails. trails!